Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast of the First Baptist Church in Riverton, Kansas, where the mission is to serve the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so glad you could join us today as our pastor, Aaron Williams, shares a timely message from God's Word. At FBCR, there are several ministry opportunities that you can be a part of. These include the food pantry and commodity distribution, which provides assistance to those who are experiencing a food shortage in both our community and the four-state area. In addition, our worship team, now known as Fire of FBCR, provides music each and every Sunday morning during the worship service. The team is growing and welcomes new talent as God provides. This includes either singing, playing a musical instrument, or being a part of our technical crew. And a third ministry opportunity involves the crisis team, which is available to provide assistance in case of a fire, flood, or any other unforeseen emergency. Please contact the church office for details on these ministry opportunities. Now with today's message, here's Brother Aaron. If you have your Bible with you, would you please open to the 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, This week I've been meditating and really trying to just, you know, get the mind of the Lord on what He wants to say to His church. Notice how I word that. I mean that. You are His church and His people. And as God brings you into His church, you now know by the Scriptures you are the body of Christ. And a great responsibility comes with being the body of Jesus in the earth. As we know, the Scriptures say that He's seated on the right hand of God, but now you are the body. The Bible says He's the head. And I want to begin to minister, and I want to use an analogy of the beehives today. I want to read this text, and mostly because I've been working with the beehives the last few weeks, so when you got the preacher from the farm, you get whatever he's doing with him. And some days we're dozing trees, other days we're playing with bees. Nonetheless, all of these can be used for the wisdom of God. I'm grinning a lot because I'm excited, church. I'm excited for what I believe God has in store for us as His body in the future. And I can see the pieces. I can see people's lives that are just coming together. I can see the fertile soil of your own hearts as you come together in unity. And uh, I am excited. Amen. So uh, I do ask you to, to be praying. I've been meeting with different ones. Be praying about what God wants for us as a people. Now there's what He wants in the earth. And then there's what He wants locally within churches. And so this is a wonderful thing. As we see someone come in the door and God uh, gives them over to repentance through Christ and they sit in the body, it's not to be a spectator. It is so that they can be plugged into the body, know who they are, know their identity in Jesus, and then begin to function there. So the job of a minister is to simply equip them with the Word of God to help instruct and guide them in whatever position God has placed them. And so in a day when we live in America, and sports is many times a theme, and and, uh, we like to listen to the Kansas City Royals. Not many amens, but we like to listen to the Kansas City Royals. I know the Lord is with them this year. Uh, We better not go there too hard, okay. Anyway, uh, just having a little fun with you today. Uh, It's really wonderful, but what's happened in America as we have approached, whether it's sports or church or other things, with this hope that there would be one star player. And many times there can be, but it takes an entire team with a baseball team. It takes an entire team with a football team. And it takes an entire body of Jesus Christ 
to perform and walk out His will in the earth. And so it matters that you are here. It matters who you are and where God plants you. This is the reason there shouldn't be tug-of-wars over who goes to what church, but we should allow God to, by His Spirit, place them in the body and then give the body vision and direction so that we can fulfill the will of God while we are in the earth. If you would uh, bear with me, let's read the first 18 verses of chapter 12. Paul the Apostle is writing to the Corinthian church. It's a letter of instruction. Most of the epistles that we have were letters. They were written because of a problem. After all, you wouldn't have to write the letter if they hadn't asked for Paul to address some things. And he's addressing the church on many different fronts. Here he's beginning to share with them concerning the gifts of the body of Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities or differences of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are differences of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another the gift of healing by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another divers kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and has many members, all the members of one body being many are one, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we are Jew or Gentile, whether we are bond or free, we have all been made to the drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, then where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where the smell? But now... Hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him? Amen. Okay. A lot of verses. I think we need a lot of verses in today's preaching in America. The biblical knowledge among the populace is fairly low. Uh, Not many people reading the Bible, just out at large. I know that you're reading the Scriptures. I know that the, the Scriptures are our authority in life. I want to share with you concerning this text of Scripture, there's a lot that could be said about the difference of this body. Paul the Apostle's addressing the church at Corinth. He's addressing it and letting it know it's not just one gifting. So this American idea that just one star player would get the job done for the team, 
although that works at times if you hit the home run or you've got a great running back or a great golfer, the bottom line is the body of Christ is not established that way. Our hope is not on just one person. Our hope is not just the preacher or the worship team or different ministries. It is that they all come together by one Spirit into unity in the body of Jesus Christ. Now this is a little uncomfortable for uh, the idea in America of what church is because we end up wanting to be spectators when we should be participants in doing the will of God. And this is why I'm asking now, and I've been asking, will continue to ask, until God speaks to us as a body of believers on what our vision is, what our direction as a church will be. In other words, there are many things we could set our hand to that would be good things, but if we don't absolutely center in on what God asks of us, what is our objective and what will be accomplished at the end of the day, then we end up just following all kinds of gimmicks, if you will, to try to get a few people or maybe more people at times to sit in the pew, and then you end up with a business-type administration rather than the administration of the Spirit of God who knits our hearts together, and when you're knit together in the Spirit of God by prayer, knowing where you're headed and what will be accomplished, God can then ask you to make sacrifices, ask you of your time, and you know exactly why you would give of any of these. Because God, you know where you're headed, and God could ask of you anything, and you would do it. And I've said it before, I say it again, there's nothing too hard for the one you're in love with. And there's nothing like getting close to God in prayer, asking Him what He wants the most out of our lives and lives as families as we come together so that our children one day, that their last hope is not the style of music at the church you attend or the charisma of the preacher, but that because the Word of God was believed upon by your family, you saw it come to pass and God did glorious things not only for you, for families and for cities, then this becomes the kind of vision that the apostles were let loose with that turned not only the Roman Empire upside down, but the entire world. It's different than the day we live in in America when we come to the culture of Christianity. I've been working with the bees lately, and I'm always in awe of the beehive. So a few of the beehives were extremely full, and we decided to do some division with the beehives. And there are many ways you can do division, and and really, uh, uh, most of the ways are all very healthy type of husbandry of the beehive. You don't want it to get so full that it's, it's kind of reckless. And So anyway, we were dividing bees. But man, as I pull these frames out, I see all of these bees doing their, their thing in the beehive. I mean, some are just working away. They're nurse bees. And they just stay attached to the frame and they're working with the larvae so that when they hatch, immediately they start to feed and help these new bees grow. And after long, have you ever heard the term, busy as a bee? Because they live for about six weeks. You want to know something else? The workers are all female. I said the workers are all female. Don't clap too loud. But I watch my wife work. She is busy like a bee, no question. And the men, just so you feel good about this, you're a drone if you're in the beehive. Your name is a drone. How does that sound to you? That sounds spectacular, doesn't it? I mean, wouldn't you, if you were a bee, want to get a great big t-shirt that says, I'm a drone. You know, my wife is the worker, or whatever it may be. Okay, let's not get in. 
But the beehive is very busy and there's a lot going on. The queen is the center of the hive and they're all protecting her. She's laying eggs. She's multiplying. But I can assure you one thing about the beehive. Every worker in the beehive is clear about what their objective is. Every one of them. Did you know they do not sleep? The bee doesn't sleep. Now aren't you glad that when you serve at a church you at least get to rest at night? I mean, if you was part of the beehive, you'd just you'd go ninety to nothing until you're dead. But really, and I know this is simple and elementary, but how much is the church like the beehive? And last week we've been again to learn about Moses. Moses didn't think he was eloquent enough or where God would send him that they would even hear. He, you know, it's easy to make these excuses in our life that what, whatever I am going to contribute may not be enough to make a difference in the Lord. I want to encourage you today as a church, if you're here and serving and God is placing you in this body, there's a distinct purpose He brought you, and we want to help teach and instruct you so you can fulfill the very thing that God asked you to do. Now, there's a few men headed this week for some outside meetings and kind of some uh, rough rough atmosphere, if you will. Listen, there are some that are going to go out to try to bring something back in. There are others that are in the church that are going to have to be there like the nurse bee is inside the beehive waiting with these new converts to help disciple them. There are going to be some that come to the church that are hungry. And this is why Jesus said, you're going to feed the hungry. You're going to clothe those who are naked. I mean, but when it comes down to a practical way, what does it mean going to church? Or becoming a Christian. I mean, it's been, so, it's been so spread out into just kind of a popularity contest. And if your church has a, a large number, maybe you're successful. I can tell you after we divided bees this week, that any size church that's focused upon Jesus as the head, that's becoming fruitful, will have a mind to multiply. And all year long, the only thing the bees can think about is building enough honey in the hive and building queen cells so they can multiply another beehive somewhere. And the guard bees that are there will try to sting you if you come to get their, their most precious thing, which is honey. Are you with me? Is it in the heart of the Christian though to always want to multiply? What's in our heart today as we come to church, as you got up this morning and prayed or last night and you prayed, was it in your heart when you start saying, God, what do you want out of me? Was the only thing you could think about was, man, God wants to do over and again and again what He's done in my life and somebody else's life. I mean... I don't know about you, but when I pray, I start thinking about little towns throughout a two-county area. Little towns where there isn't a church. Man, that's how I start thinking. Man, now how does that beehive thing? It gets built up and gets honey, and some of the bees start to just eat honey after honey. And what they do is once the new queen comes out, they all swarm. If you've ever seen on a branch a ball of bees hanging, that's because the new queens came out and half of the strongest workers went out with the new queen and they sit there while others are out looking for a new place to live. And as soon as they find the new place to live, they come back and communicate. Have you ever seen the bees communicate? They can dance a dance around the hive and communicate where they're going, and if they found a food source, how much food's there, and what its location is by the dance they do in front of the hive. I wonder if everyone, when you come to church, could figure out just what's in your heart and what God, by the dance you do when you get to church. 
I know it's elementary, but as Paul begins to write to the first Corinthians, he lets them know it's not a one-man show. There's many members here. And, and the first thing he hits on is he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the difference of the giftings. One question I have in simplicity is, what is your gift? And, and I understand these chapters, are we stay away from them doctrinally. But the only reason we'd stay away from them doctrinally is because we're scared of what the Spirit of God does in a church. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about the headship of Jesus Christ. If He's going to have a body representing His name in each town, it matters who He sends to be the members of that body. And each of those members must look to His headship as the Spirit of God that raised Him from the dead now brings them into union as one. And what that body does in a town when they go really, really matters. Because when you get there, you are the only thing that the town sees when it comes to the name of Jesus Christ. That means how we react to the poor, how we react to the broken, how we minister the Gospel is upon our shoulders. And I know this week is a week where I'll begin to put more time into the church. Can I say this? Probably a bold statement. Pastors isn't just the guy you hire to do everyone's spot. You see, God calls men to the pulpit and to a church as an under-shepherd because it's not their church, it's God's church. It's not their people, but it's God's people. And He wants that man to study and pray and teach the people what God said they should be and how they should function in the earth. What does it look like for a little a group of people like the beehive swarms to head to a town where there's no Christian influence and all of a sudden they get there and they literally they're knocking on every door in town and going to serve in that community? Uh, honestly, I believe some towns, I believe the town we're in does a really good job with people. And within a half mile, I know of three churches, I think do a great job with people. Do a great job with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm absolutely glad when I get to talk to their leaders. But there are cities where nobody's at today. And they're in our communities. And I'm asking God, like, what are we supposed to do? As we come together as a church and as you multiply, do what you do. God, what do you want for us? Is our only mindset just like the bee? All we can think about is multiplication? That's what Paul thought about. Paul the Apostle didn't span continents and span waters and, and among his brethren and false brethren and all of these accounts and he wasn't beat and stoned and shipwrecked and all this so that he could just get a few people together in one building to be satisfied that maybe the budget was right or their expectations. He got in a place where he bowed on a seashore to God, never bowed again to anything else except Jesus Christ and everywhere they went a church started and he wrote to Timothy and Tyson, this is how you do it. And it doesn't have to be really complex. He did this in a relatively a relative short period of time. Hold on. Sometimes we think, well, does this take years to get ready? No. 
Some, some of the maximum lengths of time was like 18 months Paul the Apostle spent in the town identifying, look, all we're doing is we're preaching the simplicity of Jesus Christ in a town, offering to people. We need to get past the kind of the business thinking of a church and who we think we are. This thing wasn't made to be internal but external. It was made where could we fly to and make a difference in the life, whether it's on this continent or in another nation. And can I say this about our missions? We have missions as Southern Baptists, but I can tell you, we're sometimes given to missions and we don't do missions 10 miles down the road. And if you think that will relieve your conscience when it comes to the will of God, you are wrong. Our money's not the only thing broken people need. They need a representative of the Christ in their town who believes in them when they just got put in jail last week. I got one I'm waiting on to get out. They get done holding him, I'm going to try to pick him up. Why? Because God loves the man. And I'm aware of how the devil will trick you to get the guy there as soon as he gets sincere enough to bow to Christ. Paul said, I don't want you ignorant. I believe the church at large is ignorant of giftings in church. We don't want to talk about that thing where, what are you talking about? The Spirit of God? Can I say without the Spirit of God, we don't have a church? Without the Spirit of God hovering upon the waters, you don't have creation? Without the Spirit of God in the mouth of the prophets, you do not have a word? Without the Spirit of God at conception, you don't have a virgin birth? Without the Spirit of God drawing you to Christ, you can't come? Without the Spirit of God at the tomb, there's no resurrection. Without the Spirit and the bride at the end of the book saying, come to all who are thirsty, you don't have an, an, an omega at the end of the day. There's nothing we can do without Him. And this is not left to doctrinal differences. This is the truth of the Word of God. So he starts by saying, I would not have you to be ignorant. The Spirit of God wants each of your lives to not only be plugged into the body, but know who you are in Him. It doesn't have to be weird. I know the first thing we think of is, does it have to be some spooky thing? No. That's when somebody identifies their gift and tries to get you to follow their legitimate gifting, one gift, and then they go try to beg your money and do everything ungodly with it because they don't know who they are either, and you get led away captive under some false prophetic word or whatever it may be, but I can assure you the Spirit of God is able to warn us and if ever we needed a warning, it's now in the church that there are differences of gift. People who have wisdom, people who have words of knowledge. God does this by the Scripture. This isn't weird. If it doesn't line with the Word of God, put it out. But we're approaching some days in this country it's going to take the members of the body of Jesus Christ to be those members, to be members in particular. The second thing he, he said was there are differences of gifts, but it's the same Spirit that differs your gifting. And isn't it amazing in America we've tried to make cookie-cutter Christianity? Bring a man running through plan 1 through 12 and you get yourself a church member, teach him to tithe, your budget's good, give your pastor a raise, he drives a fancy car. Forget it! That's not the Bible, the God of the Bible. He is saying they're very different, but the Spirit of God Himself makes each of us very different and needs us as a whole to be the body as we ask God, what is your will for this church? Your church. 
And then he says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person. No one can hide from it. No person here can say the Spirit of God is not wanting to communicate with me if I'm a believer of who I am in His body. Not one person, according to 12.7, can say the Spirit of God is not trying to speak to me. He's not trying to put me in the proper position. And I think sometimes we talk sports. There's no way you would go and begin to function at a tryout or otherwise in sports of some kind and they not say you're best made for first base. You're best made for the pitching mound. You're, best, you're a catcher. And I hear this all the time. They say, you're an evangelist. So what? Good. Praise the Lord. But you need more than me. Okay, here we go. We know that's true, Lord. Amen. Yeah. In, in uh, twelve fourteen, he says, the body's not one member, but many. Uh, can I ask you an honest question? And I want to do this in encouragement. Church, I, can I share my heart with you? You're tremendous. You're absolutely tremendous. You're obeying God. You're growing in the Lord. I'm watching all of your lives. And I'm only preaching this today in response to God because I am totally 100% confident that not only He's placing your lives in proper position, but He's got more coming. And the more we understand this, we can help them get in their spot and function. Now, this doesn't have to be spooky spiritual. In fact, we don't want it to be. And maybe you start out saying, I'm not real sure, Pastor, what my gift is, but I do want to serve, because if I can share a small story with you, there was years ago, I remember we was working on the roof of the church, and there was a few men I was working with, and we was putting the roof on the church. And what I found out while we were working together on the roof was one man said, I've always felt like I was called to preach. And I turned to him, I had the screw gun, we was putting tin on the roof, I said, well, why don't you, why don't you get ready to preach? Like, what's holding you back? We started having a revival on this roofing project where God started identifying who was... You know, He had that hidden in His heart from a young man. That He felt like God called him to preach. I'm thinking, why aren't you getting ready to preach? And you know what started happening after that? He started preaching. But see, it doesn't have to always be like you don't know where to go and you're in your room waiting on God to speak. Sometimes you just start functioning effectively. There's so many ministries and things you can do. I mean, I just... I won't speak names, but there are so many people serving right now. If it comes to, some are cleaning the sanctuary. This is their ministry unto God. Some are planting flowers. Some mow the grass. Some teach children in the back. Others are going out and going to minister to the broken. They're kind of the evangelist nature. They're going to go out and try to bring them back in. And then when you get here, you've got some wonderful teachers. We have teachers here that are gifted by God. We have those on Wednesday nights who are cooking meals. You're feeding those that are brought into the house of the Lord. Others are just, uh, I mean, our youth is growing. The youth themselves, you need to be thinking about also what's God doing with your life? What does He want out of your life and with respect to His body? Because the eye cannot say to the hand or the ear, I don't need you. There's not one person that can come to this place and God would say to them, we don't need you. And it's never right to treat them like we don't need them either. We need everyone that God wants to send by His Spirit to this place, identifying who they are so they can stand with us. It'll be a dull day if we stand in eternity bowing our head in humiliation because we, we ousted somebody because they didn't meet our requirements. God sends members, every one of them in the body as it pleases Him. Chapter 12, verse 18. God sets every member in the body as it pleases Him. You please God when He sets you in the body. The Spirit of God speaking to you and adding you to a body of believers 
to function and move as how you please God. The Spirit wants to place you in this place. Do you realize you're a blessing to the Lord? I mean, man, I think about your lives at times. I just want to kind of build you up in the Lord. We're not in a situation where we're hoping or wondering what's going to happen. We have unity, church. Church, decisions can be made quickly. You can move efficiently, and you are. What I'm saying is, as I, hey, I'm going to have more time. Why don't you call me? In a practical way, call me on the telephone. Let's work this out. Let's pray together. You're not bothering me to call. Let's look in the Scriptures. Let's see what your natural, natural affection in the body of Christ is. In other words, you may be noticing an area in the church or in its workings where it looks a little undone. Maybe God's give you that eyesight because He's wanting to use you there. It's real discouraging to see something that needs to be done than the thought that you could never put your hand to it. I'm inviting you to put your hand to that. And as God continues to do what He does in our congregation of meeting needs, then can you know that He's going to place in our heart a multiplication? Didn't He multiply? He told those 11 disciples, go you into every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But how much easier is it if we were just tricked by the example of Christianity that you just go to church on Sunday and you feel good because you go there. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to feel good when you come to church, but I am saying there's more God may be up to than just getting us to sit together and sing together and then go home and think about the meal we're going to eat. I mean, He's going to want to stretch you out of position. The Spirit of God Himself is wanting to bring you to the place. And as we approach the Lord's Supper today, church... Let's do this with such humility and reverence. Let's, as we get quiet here in a little bit and ask God, what do you want out of me, Lord? And we take a symbol. We are not, we are not cannibals. This is a symbol of the body and the blood work of Jesus Christ. This is bread and juice. And as it comes by your pew, if you are not born again, just let it pass by you. If you have not put your faith in the saving grace of Jesus, just let it pass by. But if you have, we offer to you a time to take the Lord's Supper. It's one of the two ordinances of the church. It's not asked. It's not open for discussion. It's a command of Scripture. That as often as we come together to do this, we, we come together in humility because Christ came before He was crucified 24 hours and He said, I have wanted to take this with you. I have wanted... And why? Not for His own need, but for our need. And so today, maybe you struggle and you hear this message and you say, it's uncomfortable because I thought I could just come to a place and never have to function. No, I want to help you function. I want to be a pastor as much as you need to be a member of the body of Christ. So do I. And it does, nothing makes me happier than seeing you grow in God. Helping you with Scripture. Helping define where you're at and what God may be doing. And at times giving you the protection needed so hell and all of its adversaries can't come against your life and drag you away. There's a reality to this church. And as we take the Lord's Supper, this broken body of Jesus, His blood spilled to give us a new covenant so that you could pray like this. You could humble yourself before the Lord and He would respond to you. Everybody's thinking, well, what's my part? Sometimes I'm completely surprised. 
Other times you kind of have a, a knowing like, yeah, I thought they would do that. And I'm just speaking openly with you for a minute. There are some people who stepped up and said, I, I really feel like God tugged my heart for this. And I thought to myself, wow. I could have never picked them out of the crowd. If everyone held their hands up volunteering, I could have never picked them for that. But the Spirit of God knew. And others, you could kind of see it. But I know one thing, when you get in that spot that God asks you to serve, you'll never be happier in the household of God than doing your part. When you talk about having the peace of the Lord and that simple joy that's not so simple to the world, it's a peace that God gives that the world can't take away. Just find your spot. If you're unsure, but you know there's an area of need, and you just have a heart and want to serve there. I want to help you serve there. And maybe while you're doing that, God's going to let you know maybe exactly how He's going to define this calling that He's called you to. You see, we don't want to stand just as individuals in eternity. We want to stand as bodies of individuals who all were fitly framed. At the end of the day, knowing it took every one of us to accomplish what God asked us. He that does the will of God lives forever. So the next is not only for your own life, now that you've had time to think about that in this service, and I want to be very not only, I want to be forthright with the scriptures and at the same time very gentle in allowing you a way to come, but we also need to be asking God, now what do you want out of us? If this isn't all about what we get, Lord, what is it we can give back to you? Because it said it really pleases him for the spirit to let you know and set you in the body. At the end of the book, at the end of this chapter, he says, concerning all the gifts, I show you a more excellent way. And then he starts the love chapter of chapter 13. It's highly been disputed for those who do not want to deal with individual giftings. You do not have a pastor in this pulpit who's scared of Scripture. And chapter 13 was put in there because all of these gifts, whether you like them or not, the Bible's my final authority. All of the gifts of chapter 12 are no good at all without love as their motive and ingredient. It's not saying get rid of chapter 12 and live for 13. What would we do to God in His headship? Say to Him, you couldn't identify me as ears, eyes, feet, and hands of your body. And then touch the communities. You are the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, we would love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 620-848-3347. Or you may write to us at Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. We're also on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. The church is located just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop and one block west on Bluebird Lane. Or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block east also on Bluebird Lane. Our worship services are Sunday mornings at 1045 and Wednesday nights at 7. We also have small group Bible studies available for children, youth, and adults. 
On behalf of Brother Aaron Williams and the entire congregation at FBCR, this is Downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.